0: Listening to Vet Candy.
1: Hi, this is Dr. Jessica Turner, and you are listening to Living Well with Dr. Jessica. Your one stop for all things health and wellness, not just what to eat or how to move, but everything in between.
0: We'll be right back with more Vet Candy. Introducing NexGuard Plus, a Foxaloner moxidectin and pyrantal chewable tablets. Every one and done monthly dose protects canine patients against heartworm disease, fleas, ticks, roundworms, and hookworms. All in a delicious beef flavored soft chew. Use with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurologic disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting a preventive. The one, the one. To learn more, visit NexGuardPlusClinic.com.
1: If you've been listening for any amount of time, you know that I have a heart for our colleagues and even people outside of veterinarian that just feel like they don't have enough time. They feel like, you know, they just can't figure out how to juggle things. And so we've had people on before in the past that seem to be so involved and have figured this out in some capacity. And so I'm excited today to introduce you to our guest because that's kind of what we're going to be digging in because she is literally. Superwoman. (laughs) I'm not joking. Today we have Dr. Joya Griffin. She is an Ohio native and a 2006 graduate from Cornell University College of Veterinary Medicine. She went on to complete an internship at VCA Berwyn and Aurora Animal Hospital in Chicago. And then in 2007, she returned to Cornell for a residency in dermatology. From veterinary school to internship to residency, she was awarded several awards that all pointed to her passion in dermatology. As someone that felt like that wasn't a strong suit, I was very taken away by your love for it and how evident that was throughout your adventure in schooling. And so in 2010, she became a diplomat of the College of Veterinary Dermatology And she's currently a part or a shareholder of animal dermatology group where she is currently practicing. And they have two satellite locations that she oversees. And on top of that, she has a heart for teaching in stores in a Nat Geo Wild television series that is launching right in January. It's called Pop Goes the Vet with Dr. Joya. Um, So definitely be on the lookout for that. And can't go without noting that she is happily married to another veterinarian, a veterinary internal medicine specialist. I'm always amazed by that because you're not the first. (laughs) You know, we have these super duos and she has three kiddos, which when we have a special bond because she also has twins, she has boy girl twins. So she gets the struggle (laughs) that is part of that adventure. And so just so excited to have you on. Thank you for having me. I love it. I
2: love to talk to other twin moms. It's like you just can even, you know, nod at them and you're like, I get it, girl. Like, you don't even have to say anything else. Oh, you have twins? Wow. You've, you've survived.
1: I had someone message me yesterday saying that they babysat two-year-old twin girls yesterday. And they're like, I thought about you the whole time and just, wow, you're Superwoman. Like we do hear that word a lot, but it's so true. So when I found out you also had twins on top of all these other incredible things you're doing, I'm like, all right, she's got to have some kind of secret tips or something. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm a little bit crazy. Um, I don't tend to get a lot of sleep. I've gotten used to not getting a lot of sleep. The twins have helped with that. that's um, part of it.
1: But yeah, just so excited to have you on. I always just like to, you know, let my guests jump in and just share a little bit more about themselves and kind of what led you to where you are today and doing the work that you're doing. Um, so just dive in. Yeah. So I
2: think a lot of it was just as far as how I got into dermatology was I had a pet that had extreme skin disease. Her name was Gizmo. She was a Lhasa Opso. They tend to have some skin problems and. At the time, we didn't have all the treatments that are available now, and we ended up really struggling with her. And she was, you know, originally my sister's dog, and I stole her from the family and took her to Cornell with me, and the very first service that we saw was dermatology. And they made a huge transformation in her, and, you know, it was like I was hooked, because I saw how they literally saved her life, because she lived in an e-collar for over a year prior to that, and she stunk, and she had open sores, and it was terrible and knew right then that I wanted to be able to give that to my patients and pet owners. And I knew how the pet moms and dads would feel having their pets back. And so early on, I just aligned myself with doing everything I could dermatology while I was a student, and then kind of staying on that that path to get there. I've been very fortunate to work for Animal Dermatology Group. And I think that is probably part of my success, honestly, because the group is extremely supportive. And being a group You know, I was able to come in and be the doctor. I didn't have to worry about payroll. I didn't have to worry about paying the bills and things. I didn't have to worry about those things, which in some practices, if you start your own practice, all of that's on you. I knew early on that there were so many things that I wanted to do, and that, you know, private ownership for me was not what I was, you know, looking for. So when I had the opportunity to work for the group and become a shareholder, it was the right fit because I was able to come to work to practice. And then when I was done with the day, for the most part, I was done with the day. So I could go home and focus on the other things that I was interested in. So I I think that was very helpful from the front end. And then, you know, and having a spouse that um, was also in the business kind of helped because I think there's a lot of mutual understanding with that. I actually didn't go into my dating years, thinking I was going to marry another vet. And we didn't meet in vet school. He was a veterinarian from, um, who graduated from Tuskegee. And so we met at a conference. And so it was just really sort of random. I think I thought I would no way, shape or form ever marry or even date another veterinarian. I thought it was just too much. You'd only be talking shop all the time. And because we do totally opposite things, you know, I treat the outside, he treats the inside and, you know, neither of us particularly want to do the other's specialty that helps keep it different and fresh and we can talk about things still without it feeling so similar you know that makes sense and then he you know he obviously understands like how hard it is you know on a day-to-day basis and what we do and so that that's been very helpful too
0: we'll be right back with more vet candy
2: Bet Candy makes learning fun with the most exciting experts on the planet. Become a Bet Candy member for exclusive access to our library of more than 100 studio qualities and race-approved videos taped in 4K. Say hello to streaming and goodbye to boring webinars with us. Plus, members can connect with specialists and licensed mental health care experts on our forums and get answers to your burning questions with our knowledge database. You can even create a custom learning plan, keep track of your progress and track your CE credits all in one spot. Your personalized learning journey starts with us. What are you waiting for? Sign up today at MyVetCandy.com.
1: We did an episode early on this year that explored different like aspects of ownership. And I remember asking within the veterinary community, you know, where people stood in, are you fine with always being an associate? Are you interested in ownership? Are you currently an owner? That type of thing. And so many didn't even want to consider it because of what you were kind of sharing. You know, like when you go into owning your own practice, there's so many things outside of medicine that all of a sudden you need to learn overnight and you don't even get to really do what we went to school for. And I think that's such a huge component of why people don't even go down that road. And so it's so hard. Yeah. Yeah. And he actually shed light on different routes of like ownership and like slowly buying in and and co-sharing and things like that. It was very insightful that there are different ways out there. And so like, if that is something you're interested in, I love that you kind of did that homework beforehand and knew what was important to you before you even went into it and recognized that there was different avenues that you could take, went down the, the road that made the most sense for you and what you were, you know, looking forward to as far as having a family?
2: Yeah, I think you're right. I think most veterinarians want to have a specific role in their practice. You know, like most people don't just want to stay the associate. They want to make, maybe get to be incoming medical director or have, you know, a special role in the practice if they stay long enough. I feel like that's what I hear from a lot of my colleagues but ownership is not for everyone. And I just never really wanted that because I think I knew where my subset skills were and that I didn't know how to do a lot of those things. And I just didn't want to bring a lot of that work home. I'm a dermatologist, so we definitely have picked a specialty that allows you to have a better work-life balance. You can. We typically work a fairly normal, like nine to five or somewhere around there. And um, most of us work four days a week. So Right there, it sets, you know, a nice scaffold for being able to do some other things and to focus on family. So when we did find out we were having twins, I even pared back a lot of my speaking engagements. I didn't lecture as much. I focused on the things that were low stress and high joy. And so the things that I really wanted to do, not the things that I felt like I had to do, because at the end of the day, those things felt like chores. And I didn't have a lot of extra hours. So at, you know, one of the conferences, I had to do preceding notes for that, which were really hard to find time to do those when you have infant twins. So I would have to stay really late to get them done. And it just really created a lot of high anxiety for me that I started to pare back a lot of that because I just didn't have the time. I really focused on the things that were high joy activities and I also felt a lot of guilt about leaving my husband with three children because I knew how hard it is, especially when they don't sleep through the night. So I stopped you know, traveling and stuff a lot when the babies were young.
1: Yeah. I think that's such a great point. Pausing for a second and identifying those things that, like you said, maybe end up draining you versus refueling you. I know I've kind of had to learn that over the over the years. And part of it is because I had twins too, you know, like you, you're kind of thrown into this, this situation where you're almost forced to pare down some things, because you really are like in such a survival mode. And I think there's a lot of people out there that are in that same survival mode for other reasons, and don't know how to take a step back and kind of look at the big picture and say, okay, I could say no to this, you know, maybe I could delegate this or, or you feel like, if you do that, you're failing or you're letting others down or, you know, we're such people pleasers and perfectionists. And it's hard to get to a point where you recognize that the pros of doing that and taking some of those responsibilities off of your plate really are worth it. It's hard to say no. It's really hard. And I'm not a good person at saying no, but I had
2: to, I had to learn that because I just, I literally could not do all of the things that I had done before at that, you know, and everything's like a phase, right? Like your children won't be tiny forever and they, they're they going to become less and less dependent on you and more independent. And so everything's for a season and, and it's okay to say no right now. It doesn't have to be like a no forever, but it was, it was really hard for me because I felt like I wasn't doing what I was supposed to do. And I was telling people I couldn't do that. And it even happened recently. Like I last minute was asked to do a um, CE lecture that was on a day that I had family coming in from out of town. And so I could have done it, but it was like in Indiana. So I was going to have to get up at 530 in the morning, you know, get all dressed up, drive across the bridge into Indiana, do the CE, run back home to meet the friends that I was spending the day with that are coming from out of town, find childcare, you know, it's like all these things. And my mind was starting to like swizzle around trying to figure out how to make it work. And I could have made it work. At what expense? Yeah, for all of this stress, you know, and I just told him, I was like, I'm sorry, it's just, it's just not going to work out this day. I really apologize. So I could have done it, but I shouldn't have done it because it would have created so much anxiety. And like, I don't know, I just feel like I'm getting too old to have that level of stress. It just doesn't serve you very well. And, you know, life and work is hard enough already. So when you put too much on your plate, sometimes it just it's like at the end of it, there was no benefit.
1: I think you're right. You know, age does play a role in it or maybe maturity. I'm still young, right? <laughs> you seriously look like you're in your twenties. So <laughs> the,
2: the math on those dates don't do it.
1: <laughs> I could see that same shift, you know, having occurred in my own experience as well. And just like you say, getting to the point where it's like, it's not even worth it. Um, and I'll, go through that same process where if I'm already stressed out about even thinking about trying to make something work, then I'm like, okay, no, that's a huge red flag that I need to just, you know, kindly decline. (laughs) And listen to yourself, you know, and just say, okay, you don't have to be
2: superwoman, you don't have to do everything. And that opportunity usually will come back around maybe for you to do it later when you have more time. And it's, you know, it will fit easier and not be so crazy, (laughs) hectic.
1: We keep joking about, you know, you're superwoman or moms of multiples or, you know, coined that term because of all this. But I love that we're both sharing that we've learned to say no. And because I think so often we have this picture of like what a super mom or a super bed or just whatever is, and it's doing all the things and doing them perfectly. And the reality is, I think people like you that have, you know, these passion projects or different things that's. like, oh my goodness, I can't even imagine doing that alone. And you're doing multiple things. I think it's because we've gotten really good at saying yes to things that we love and we're passionate about. And like you said, bring you joy. And so we're able to pour into these things that may seem like we're doing more than the normal. But honestly, it's because we do a lot of things behind the scenes. We say no to a lot of things behind the scenes. And I just want our listeners to know that, you know, I think we just live in, in a time where it looks like everybody does more than they probably do. I mean, I think it probably is a lot,
2: but it's manageable. You know what I mean? Like everybody's viewpoint on that is different and everyone's energy level and all that. And I think it is very personal, like what you're able to do. I mean, some of the little tips that I think help our family that make us get through the week, like I'm typically off on Mondays. And so we'll like meal plan and then grocery shop. And we put all of the things together for the week for the most part. And that helps the work week go smoother. And then during the work week, I mean, really it's, I just work, you know, there's not a lot of running around for the most part. My husband works longer hours as most internists do. So I'm the first one home with the kids and one night they go to dance class, but that's it. There's not multiple times a week that we're doing things. It's very close to the house. I've become that person that if it's, you know, in an area of town that has a lot of traffic where I know I'm always running late, I just can't do it we're not going to be able to make it happen where it's efficient and not stressful. So their dance school is literally like five minutes from the house. I try to work out consistently and I like schedule that in my plan, like each week with my meal plan. So I might be a little more regimented than the average person, but it helps me like, know okay, this is what I'm eating this week. And this is where, what days I'm going to work out. And most of it's virtual. So I can do that at home and the children can run around, you know, live virtual classes, which is a pandemic thing, but that is very helpful to have those things, or if you have like a, a bike or a treadmill or something like that, like where you can work out but your children can be there. I think that those are the ways that help you kind of be successful and consistent.
1: Absolutely, and I do think that there's beauty in having a schedule. The more I I know what to expect, like the calmer I can stay. But then I'll, again, twins has kind of made me way more flexible. (laughs) Balancing that structure, but going into it with a flexible mindset. But, you know, I have a planner that's like hourly. Not everything is filled in, but for the most part, I have an idea. I sit down every morning and fine tune things. And I've found that when you are that structured, instead of feeling like you're kind of like suffocated, it actually gives me more freedom because you're able to be more efficient and like you said, if you take that time in the beginning of the week to, to see about meal prepping and things like that, you don't have to think about it again. You know, it's just, it's laid out for you. Um, and I do think things like that are such a huge stressor for working individuals that are trying to balance work and family. Even for an individual that doesn't have a family, I feel like you know, you
2: have to eat every day. So if you have a plan for it, I don't mind leftovers so you can cook for the week. And so each night, like you literally just have to heat up the food. You're not cooking every night. Cause I can't imagine being able to do that with the children. We did it when we were, you know, didn't have children and it still was sometimes like super inefficient a lot of the time, you know? And so I, that has really helped and you just don't have to worry about it, you know? And then I call myself the cruise director of our family. So I'm the one that plans all of the fun events and things.
1: I love that title.
2: (laughs) I'm the cruise director. My husband is kind of the captain. Like he does this hard part, but I get to do the fun part. And I'm the reason why the memories happen. (laughs) I plan all of that. And sometimes I get in my head about it. So for this holiday season, you know, we had some tickets to things that we had to book in advance. When I scheduled it, I tried to only have like one thing a weekend because even the children and ourselves need a day where we're just chilling at the house and there's not a lot of like running back and forth. And then you can also get the laundry done and they can cuddle on the couch and watch a little bit of TV. So I try not to overplan because I can easily do that. So I looked at the month of, you know, what some of our obligations are, you know, your work Christmas party, and then the things I wanted to do with the kids and tried to make it where it wasn't going to have us run around like chickens with our heads cut off. I've done that, you know, and I, I've learned that that's just, it's not going to work very easily and you'll get the things done, but it'll feel like a chore.
1: It takes away the enjoyment of the season. I've been so intentional with my scheduling for December because I don't want to feel like that. And, you know, I'm very grateful to have the ability to do that when it comes to to work and such. But when you plan that way, cause we're very similar, it's like, if I don't have that day on the weekend then you're going into the week, already stressed out because you didn't you know take care of basic house needs over the weekend
2: and sometimes it's just don't you feel like sometimes it's just having that moment to breathe didn't get a chance to just not do anything and you feel exhausted starting the work week again and then you're like oh you can't wait for the weekend again because you didn't allow yourself to have any self-care and rejuvenations
1: and then it's this vicious cycle that a lot of us never really get out of. Honestly, it really sucks. You know, there's so many fun things around this time of the year that you can say yes to, but I, we just can't, you know, like we've narrowed down, okay, this is really important that we go See the lights here or whatever, but that we're not going to go do what so and so is going to do with their family because you literally have to do something almost every day.
2: Yeah. And then you forget that maybe you ran out of time to even like sit and watch holiday movies because you're running around so much or you don't have time to bake cookies or do the things that I think children really remember. And the other thing I keep telling myself too is like, you don't have to do all of this now. Like Christmas will happen next year. (laughs) So if you did this, you know, light event this year, maybe next year you do something different. We just feel like we have to do it all right now. And that, and that's it with life in general. We have to do it all right now. And usually there's an opportunity for later.
1: <laughs> I think it's so true that what we kind of zone in on as memorable moments or these like big elaborate things that do require more planning and energy, whereas they're probably happier just popping popcorn and, and making cookies and watching a Christmas movie. We live in a time where everything's front and center, what it, what everybody else is doing. And so it's hard to not get sucked into that mindset of that's what you got to do to make memories that matter when in reality it's not, you know, like there's so much you could do within your home for very little that are going to be things that your kids remember for years to come.
2: We always say we, we have this thing that I've, heard a few years ago that I love and we say it in the clinic, but comparison is the thief of joy. And it's so hard not to try to keep up with the Joneses and you see what other people are doing on social media. And I love social media. Like I'm on there, but I don't spend a lot of hours on there. So I'll jump on, you know, see what people are doing. And I have a couple groups, they're mostly fitness groups, but I have a couple groups that I like to get into because there's information that I might need to, you know, when's this class or what event they're doing or something. But for the most part, I try to limit my just scrolling through the pages. Cause one, you suck a lot of time away and I don't have a lot of time, which most of the time I could be it's sleeping. It's like delaying me from sleeping. You know, I try not to do that because it can really monopolize your time, but also it does create this like, oh, what's this other person doing? And what am I deficient at? And maybe I should be doing this better with my page or, you know, it's just comparison is a thief of joy. And it just, it really gets inside your head sometimes. And so I try to be cautious of that. And I ask myself sometimes why I feel certain ways. And it can be because you're comparing yourself with other people and what they're doing.
1: Yeah. That's so good to just stop and ask yourself why you're feeling a certain way in identifying that root because yeah I think a lot of times it is something as simple as that you do have control over you know minimizing I want to take a quick break before we go into anything more what you've shared so far is so relatable and easy for people to implement today um and so I would love to just keep digging into we'll
0: be right back with more vet candy Introducing NexGuard Plus, a Foxalaner, moxidectin, and Pyrantal chewable tablets. Every one-and-done monthly dose protects canine patients against heartworm disease, fleas, ticks, roundworms, and hookworms, all in a delicious beef-flavored soft chew. Use with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurologic disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting a preventive.
1: To to
0: To learn more, visit NexGuardPlusClinic.com.
1: Welcome back. You're listening to Living Well with Dr. Jessica. And we have Dr. Joya Griffin on today. She's a dermatologist. She has a new show coming out on Nat Geo While Mama to Twins um, in the middle of everything. And we're just kind of sharing how we balance life in general. We're letting her share, um, learn tips and tricks. And before we go into anything new, I wanted to circle back to one thing that she touched on about how they choose as a family to focus on one activity. With their children at a time, so that they're not having to run to something every single day after work, do you mind just sharing a little bit more about that? How do you explain that to your children? I know for me, my girls, they have friends that you know, they have dance on Monday and they have gymnastics on this day and and this on that day. and
2: yeah, I, I mean, I think a lot of it started with having twins because I knew my limitations with time and you know, you've got these babies. Like it was just, our hands were full. And they, people always say that I know you've heard that. Or you, <laughs> it's like the primary thing that people will say when they hear that you have a lot of littles or that you have multiples. They'll say, well, your hands are full. And it's just such a funny thing, but it's true. It is true. And so I accept it. And I'm like, yeah, girl, my hands are full. It wasn't necessarily like a family plan where we were like, this is what we're going to do. We're not going to have our kids in too many things, but we just, we knew what we were capable of. And My oldest son loves swimming. And so when he was doing swimming lessons, that was all he did. You know, if he was able to do something else, it was usually an extracurricular after-school thing where he would stay at school and they would do like soccer. And so it really didn't require a lot of driving around and like, you know, it wasn't super hectic. We just, instead of him getting on the bus, he'd stay and do soccer. And then we picked him up a little bit later. And we chose the day of the week that we were off. So we could pick them up because childcare and picking children up from things is also really challenging. And especially if you have a set work schedule, you can't vary that that much to be able to, you know, leave to pick up a child. I mean, there's a lot of workforce, the workplaces that are now allowing for working mamas that have to have a kind of a little bit of a more variable schedule. And I think that's great if you can find that place, but for us, we try to be, you know, to limit it. And thankfully my oldest son so far hasn't, asked to do, you know, 15 different things at the same time. Um, So that's helped, but the things that he wants to do, we try to do one thing that requires us to travel somewhere and do it on a day that it makes most sense. So sometimes it's a Saturday morning or a Sunday afternoon and not during the work week because during the work week, because of my husband's schedule, it's, it's just going to be on me. It's just really challenging to do all of that carpooling around. And, you know, if you're running late from work, you know, you're late picking up, the child to take them, you know, wherever. So the evening stuff we really don't do a lot of. And I have struggled with thinking, you know, well, I haven't exposed my child to, I mean, he doesn't play an instrument. And there's so many things that he hasn't done. But at the same time, I also know that some of that, I feel like some of the things where parents put their kids in all these things is more for the parent because the little ones, when they're really little, they don't yet know what they like. And so I've heard this idea where we need to expose them to a lot of things. I think that's great but it's super expensive. It's super timely. It costs a lot of time. And then when our kids were really little, like we put Caden in in t-ball and we had to rush in the evenings to get him there. And for the first two or three weeks, he really liked it. And then after that, he didn't even want to go. And so we started like dragging him. there. I learned that early on, I was like, sometimes it's for you. Like you think that the child wants to do it. So what I'm praying, and maybe, you know, I'm learning from other parents, maybe I'm wrong, but I'm praying that as he gets older, he will start to gravitate towards certain things. And we'll try one thing at a time, but we just don't have the ability to do two or three things at the same time. And then once he does try something, we'll see what he really gravitates towards. But maybe I'm missing out on the opportunity to have, you know, a star tennis player. I mean, he's never played tennis and he's seven. Maybe I'm missing out. I can't worry about that too much. And I just can only do so much, you know, but I do think about those things sometimes. His school had a talent show and there were a few kids his same age that could play the violin or the piano, you know, without even reading music. And I was blown away, but we just didn't invest that time in him. Maybe he he could do that. Maybe that's not his gift. I don't know. Um, But I just have to trust that, you know, me knowing my child, I can sort of start to feel what he might be interested in and not just make him do a whole lot of things for me because I'm worried he might miss something.
1: No, I love that. And I love that you brought up kind of like this mom guilt that we have, because so much of what you're sharing, um, same exact situation. You know, we we love watching The Voice and mass Singer, like these singing, you know, competitions. And you hear these stories of these people starting to sing when they're crazy young and, you know, they play all these instruments. And so I literally have the same conversation with myself as you were just what should we have exposed? Like they can't play an instrument. They can't, you know, there's all these things they can't do. And I'm not going to lie. You know, my girls around here, it's one of those things. If you have girls, you just enroll them in dance. And I was that kid, you know, I think I started dancing when I was like three. But what I remember is doing it for a really long time and not enjoying it. I did do it more for my mom. And so when I'd bring it up when my girls were younger, they were so like stuck on, well, you're not going to be there that they didn't even want to do it. And I'm like, I'm not about to force them to do something that is going to cost a lot of money and be a stressor. They never really expressed any interest until this year when now they have friends that, you know, do gymnastics and things like that. So we've kind of started having that conversation, but I'm the same way. It's like until they show me some kind of inclination that they have an interest in this or, you know, we did T-ball last year as well and I don't come from a very athletic family where one of my brother-in-laws played pro baseball so very focused on that and I'm glad we did it because they ended up loving it but it was like a non-negotiable like they had to at least try because it would be almost like an embarrassment if we didn't because of you know like the family and so we joke like okay I guess I'm going down that road um because it's it was like my least oh I hated it in school I always joke my dad's a pediatrician and I would get him to write bogus Um, excuses when I knew we were doing softball and pee. (laughs) But yeah, when when they first started, it was a root of like conflict within like my home at first, because I was I was so stressed out about having to navigate like because you're having to bring them to something almost every day of the week. And I'm like, if they don't even enjoy it, then I'm miserable for no reason. I think it's so true that a lot of times we're doing it more for ourselves or because we feel like if we don't do it, we're a bad mom, you know, because we see other people doing it. Yeah. Like you're, you're like not giving your child the opportunity. Maybe that's
2: true. Maybe my children aren't going to have done something. Another thing I guess I want to mention is that we really do separate. We try to separate the days that we're off from work. And so, and you know, the way that my clinic is, is when I leave work, I don't do or think a lot about work. So when I'm home, you know, I can focus on the kids and Get my workout in and, you know, maybe clean the house a little bit. <laughs> um, you know, I'm able to do those things. And then on the weekends, we try not to do a lot of work. I think having those time blocks and separation helps a lot too, but it still is just really challenging to be able to do all of those extracurriculars. It's, it's really, really hard to do. And so I worry as my children get older and they do start to have their own self-interest, if we're just going to be running and you know ships passing each other trying to get the children to things so i think if that happens i mean you know one thing that would be fabulous is if you have either family member or a nanny or someone that can help you in the evenings. yeah because that that is one thing that we do have and i do want to mention that um i have had a nanny since the twins were small because i felt like i was gonna struggle and have a lot of stress trying to get three children out of the house to daycare in the mornings before I had to get to work on time. I just knew myself. I'm not a morning person. They say children change you. It's not true. Like I'm still not a morning person. You know, I have get a lot of sleepless nights. I have learned to exist on less sleep, but I would rather not get up early. And if I can, I still sleep to the last (laughs) possible minute. Mm -hmm. So there's never, you know, I always feel like I'm sort of rushing. And I know that if I had to get them out of the house, Every day, especially when they were smaller, it just would have been a disaster. And so, part of our discussions when we found out we were having twins was, we're going to have to find someone that comes here and takes care of the babies. And that has made the world of difference. And we still have her. And so, you know, some of the extracurriculars, if I can, I'll fit it fit it into the day where she takes them because I know that the evenings are just going to be so hard. So they do go to swim um, during the day when she's watching the twins, but. They're almost aging out of nanny, so they've got to go to school soon, and it's going to all be on me, and that's going to change our mornings drastically, but.
1: It is different, especially, you know, I was working from home for, uh, I guess, a good year and a half, two years before my girls went to any kind of schooling. And we didn't have like a timeline per se in the morning. And then all of a sudden, everybody needs to be up and ready and out of the door by, you know, uh, when we're normally like sitting down and having breakfast. So it is a big shift. I love that you mentioned, you know, about help, because I do think it's important for people to think of that as a way to be able to be more present or focus on different things and have that help. Again, I think that's something that a lot of moms kind of guilt themselves into, you know, they feel like if they do ask for help, that they're a lesson or, or whatever. I'm actually really glad for all of these like lessons that I was forced into as a twin mom, I went from like, Oh, no, we got this, it's gonna be fine. So Oh, my goodness, no, I need help. Yeah, you have to ask for help,
2: And it's very humbling. You know, I, I even learned that a little bit with my oldest, because At the time, my husband was working in another state half of the week. And so I was literally by myself with this. I could think Caden was six months old and there were occasionally times where I was stuck at work and I had to call a neighbor and trust that they could release the babysitter that I had at the time so that, you know, that person could leave and get to her second job and then someone could watch my baby. And I would literally just call people and be like, I would just had to trust that They were a neighbor, they were a friend, they would sit with my baby for 30 minutes or whatever. And it was so hard to step out of my comfort zone and ask for help. It was so hard. And then I realized it was okay. And they, you know, they always say that phrase, which you know is probably overused, but it takes a village. And it is so true. It does. You know, call on people, ask for help. You don't have to do it all. Try not to do it all, and you'll probably just overall be be happier.
1: And you mentioned it earlier. Remember it's a season. I think it's so hard sometimes to see that big picture in the far out whenever you're so in the middle of it. And it, it just seems like you're never going to get your head above water and you're never going to be able to do, you know, things the way you want to do it or whatnot. And before you know it, you will be in a new season to where you can, you know, start picking up these things that you maybe had to put down for a little while. And yeah, you always hear that. I, I do look back sometimes and I think, how did I do? You know, how did I do?
2: manage these three practices, the two satellites and the main practice. I was the only doctor at the time. I didn't have a resident. How did I do that and have these babies that literally my babies didn't sleep through the night till they were about eight months of age because they were just, I don't know, they just didn't. It was like a revolving door of babies. Like I always had a baby, like my husband would get one, hand me another one. I was nursing. And sometimes I was so disoriented. I didn't even know which baby I was holding. Like I thought it was one, And it wasn't, and it was just, it was really weird. And I look back on it and I'm like, man, I was so exhausted, but it was just a season. Sometimes it is just survival. Like you're just trying to get through each day and doing the best that you can. And it's okay. You know, if you saw some of the children's closets and the amount of clothes that I say I'm selling, you would send an intervention. You know, there are a lot of things that aren't done. Like I'm actually sitting in a playroom right now that if I turn this camera around, you would be like, send help. I mean, you know, there are, there are things that aren't done and I've just learned to offer myself a little bit of grace. Yeah. You know, the children are safe. They're alive. They're relatively happy. (laughs) It's okay. And this room is a mess and it's fine.
0: We'll be right back with more Vet Candy. Hello, this is Caitlin Palmer. You probably know me as the Desk Wench. You know the sweet TikTok receptionist who has to deal with the evil Karen Stevens. Well. If you like that, you are going
2: to love my new podcast, Desk Winch Confessions.
1: On my show, I have funny guests who tell me about their own Karens. Plus, we have contests, giveaways, and skits. Trust me, you are going to love
2: it. Check it out on a podcast platform of your choice on Vet Candy Radio. No, I love
1: that, and I think that's such a great way to kind of just... Take everything we've been talking about and and put it together, recognizing that, okay, if you're listening and you're finding yourself in this, you know, place where you just feel like you're trying to juggle so many different things, you feel like you're dropping all these balls. Remember, it's a season. Pause and ask yourself, what can you possibly put down or what can you maybe hand off to someone? Um, One of those things that seem like they just drain every ounce, you know, from you that isn't like an absolute that you could, you know, give yourself permission to stop doing. And again, just ask for help, whether that's help with your kids or with something pertaining to work. I feel like I can't go without saying ask for help. If you are in a a state where you're concerned about your emotional or mental well-being, you know, that was me. And it took me seven months to come to terms that something was off and I needed help. Um, But it all boiled down to that, you know, that perception of we need to have everything perfect. Um, And if we ask for help, or if we admit that we're struggling, that we're failing, you know, it's seriously how I felt for so long in those first couple of months. It's the best thing I could have ever done was not only ask for help from my family, but ask for help from my doctor and just start that.
2: You have to take care of yourself for sure. And you know, and another thing that I think is also important is to give up the work guilt. Um, and what I mean by that is when I was by myself running the practices, I had cases that couldn't get in to see me. Like they were booked out further than I needed them to be. I needed to recheck them. And so I would, you know, fit them in, you know, I'd have drop-offs and I would sometimes work extra days to get procedures in. And we all have done that. And then I would feel guilty about taking vacation days off. So I would do what's called switch days. So they actually weren't vacation days. It was just me working a different day to take off the other day. And that leads to a lot of burnout. And it's, you know, this year, I haven't done that as much. Like I've just taken the vacation and I do feel a little guilty. Like I'm taking a few days off around the holidays because my children will be all home from school and I could work. I sure could. And it would be definitely better for, you know, my patients because they can't get in to see me until after the new year, but I'm missing that time with my family, and I'm missing, you know, I'd be missing a little bit of just rest and relaxation, because you know, when you work over the holidays, you feel bad that you're not home enjoying the holidays, and you feel stressed, and you know, it just adds all this, and I know that about myself, but I'm literally sitting here today with you thinking about adding a day back <laughs> that I've requested for vacation, because I feel bad. And my receptionists will be like, you know, you can't get a three-week recheck in. You are booked. You know, and so they get angry with me, not really, but they're like, don't put a three-week recheck because you don't have a three-week recheck. And I'm like, I'm gonna put it down anyway. And I think as, you know, as working moms and as veterinarians in general, like we want to do a great job. We wanna care for our patients. We wanna see them when they need to be seen. And sometimes it's just not possible if you're I think everybody's booked right now. You know, if you're booked like that, and I just had to say. Boy, yeah, it's going to be okay. You should take off these three days with your children, you know?
1: Absolutely. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. You know, that's what I, I thought when you were sharing that. I mean, I think that really boils down to everything. We're so inclined to do just that one extra step more than what we probably should do because we know we can, but at what expense? I want to give you an opportunity very quickly to share a little bit about your show that's about to come out. I am so excited about the show. I
2: think it was shrouded in secrecy for a long time. We couldn't really announce it to friends or family. And then we finally were able to announce it, and it just felt so good to let like the cat out of the bag. on Thanksgiving, we released a small sneak peek, and it was the first time that I had seen any of that footage and see you know was able to see it pieced together. And I was really proud. You know, I knew what we had filmed and how it was filmed, and i I knew you know the patience that I was seeing and how much fun it was to do, but to see how it was pieced together, like, I think, I think everyone's going to really enjoy it. Like, it, it's a really fun show. It's very feminine, it's um, very, you know, I'm just, you know, kind of girly, but I love gross things. And the show um, will highlight that. I have an amazing staff and I've created a really supportive work environment. Um, we joke a lot. We kind of work hard, play hard at work. So we're coming up on what we call Festivus Maximus. <laughs> Part two, we did one last year, and we literally each day have like, okay, this is going to be wear your Christmas pajamas to work day. This is going to be wear your ugly sweater to work day. This is your Christmas headgear, you know, antlers and bows and things like that. Which I am the supplier of those because I have a lot. We do like a hot cocoa bar, and it's just little things like each day leading up to the holidays, and it's just it's it's a really fun way just to celebrate the holiday, but also celebrate your staff. And I think the show will display that to the world like the the love that we have for each other and I think that also is what has helped me stay a happy working mom like I want to work you know I don't feel like working is keeping me from my kids it's just another thing that I do you know I wanted to be a veterinarian I wanted to be a mother they both can exist together without me feeling sad about being not being at one or the other you know and I I love my job I really do and I hope that people see that in the show and they see you know what goofballs we are
1: I feel like it, it's going to be a much needed like breath of fresh air highlighting that kind of environment. I think there's a lot of people out there that may not be in that kind of a, a situation. And, you know, it's so easy to feel like there's nothing out there like that. I love that y'all do things like that. You instantly made me think of like, my girls have a whole week of like different dress up where they they'll be going in Christmas pajamas and stuff like that. And I joke with them all the time that sometimes I wish I could go to school with them because they do so much with them. That is not just schoolwork. And why can't we take things like that and bring it into?
2: Yeah, you can, you can. And, you know, and if you're not in a position I think where you feel like you can call the shots, you can just start like, you know, talk to the office manager or talk to the boss and just say, you know, maybe we just try it. Something small could be, you know, just wear antlers on Friday. (laughs) You know, it doesn't have to be crazy, but I think in the past, you know, we had a more serious work environment. And then when I kind of transitioned into being the lead doctor, why wouldn't we do these things? Like, why wouldn't our pet parents love this? You know, why? What? So what? It's fine. You know, and especially with curbside, like they don't know what's happening in the back any. So you can put your Christmas trees up and you can wear all the flair you want to wear. Like, you know, it's just, it's just a way to have fun with your work family. And if you feel like they're your family too, you don't feel so much like you're missing own family because it's all family we'll be
0: right back with more vet candy Introducing NexGuard Plus, a Foxalaner, moxidectin, and Pyrantal chewable tablets. Every one-and-done monthly dose protects canine patients against heartworm disease, fleas, ticks, roundworms, and hookworms, all in a delicious beef-flavored soft chew. Use with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurologic disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting a preventive. To learn more, visit NexGuardPlusClinic.com.
1: Well, it has been so much fun having you on. I definitely want to give our listeners an opportunity to um, just hear how they could follow you, how they could keep up with what you're doing, if you don't mind sharing that with them.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So um, I have an Instagram page. It's called Dr. Joya underscore the pet skin vet, um, where you can see some of the cases that we treat and um, hear about the show and things like that. And I also have a website. It's um, www.drjoyadvm.com. Dr. Joy at dvm.com so there's you know it talks about our staff our clinic and the show and I just hope everybody watches it, it is going to be really fun and a little bit gross
1: which I mean I feel like if you're in the veterinary field you have to have a little bit of like weird like that and like for real I love it I mean I absolutely I'm in the right field but part of it's because it's
2: so nasty it's so interesting but then you can make it pretty again yeah
1: yeah you have the restoration process that you get to play a role in and remind us when does it air again
2: yep it airs on national geographic wild on january 1st at 10 p.m
1: and to our listeners i hope everyone got some value out of this you got permission to give yourself some more grace and like you just said you're doing a great job so until next time this is dr jessica with living well we'll see you soon